0: The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Um, I I love seeing Faith do the announcement video. She's one of our young people, and I I loved how last week, Wednesday, um, Evan actually met with uh, some of our students that are high school, moving towards college, and feel like they have a call to ministry. We had, I think, eight or nine kids feel like they have that sense of a call to ministry. I just thought that was awesome. And so, seeing her do the video, seeing her on stage singing along with Stella was up here. We just have young people that um, believe in in what God is doing, and we want to make sure we invest in the future generations. Amen. So I love that. I think it's really Really, really cool. We're in a brand new series today called Connect the Dots. And uh, the tagline is why we do what we do. We're gonna talk about the details of this message today. is the intro, but if you're looking for a spot in the Bible to land, we'll be in uh, Matthew chapter 28. So if you got a Bible, you can turn there. If you got a smartphone, that works as well. Um, Also, uh, received some encouraging feedback. Um, Last week, we talked about really the work of the Holy Spirit, this dynamic relationship that we're meant to have with the Holy Spirit, not just static meaning, static meaning, uh, you know, that we invite Jesus into our hearts and then we live out our days and we die and go to heaven. But this this dynamic relationship responsive day after day, letting the Holy Spirit convict us, empower us, challenge us, at times rebuke us, uh, You know, help us shine light, give us wisdom. And so just that sense and that invitation for God to do a work. And it was really encouraging to receive some of that feedback. I'm going to pray just over this message in a moment, but I'm going to pray also about that because there were people who mentioned, hey, I really sensed that God did something in my life and and multiple different uh, comments about that. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get into the message today. God, we're so grateful for who you are. We're grateful for what you do. And, and my prayer again today is that we would continue for there to be in our lives a dynamic relationship with you. That, God, your Holy Spirit continues to move in our lives, continues to walk us on this journey of transformation that, that begins with responding to uh, what you've done through the cross, that we surrender, but that, God, we walk out, God, what it means to, to, to learn to study scripture, to get baptized, to get connected in groups, to, to pray, worship, to get, just all these things, God. And we just pray we would live in surrender, watching you transform, deliver, encourage, heal, do what only you can do, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we jump into a new series today, Connect the Dots, Why We Do What We Do. And I think most of us are aware of this idea, whether we've thought of it this way or not. But it goes like this. What we believe determines how we behave. The truth is, what we believe at the core is why we do some of the things that we do. And, and many times we don't necessarily put those two together. Now, to be more specific, for those of us that many of us would say that we're followers of Christ, for those of us that are followers of Christ, in a theological way to put it, or you know, in kind of a, a, a headier way to put it, for the Christian, sociology should reflect theology. Meaning the way that we exist in society should reflect what we believe in our faith. And so... Let me just give you a couple of ways that this plays out. I'm going to keep it kind of short. Here's just a couple of simple ones. But, but like this, you think of, you use the phrase, the homeless. And all of a sudden, when I say the homeless, there's all kinds of random thoughts that come to mind. And, and there are people that, that simply don't get into the details of it, but, but just, uh, you know, kind of blanket statement, think this, it's just a bunch of addicts and our world will be better off if they would just move out of state. And there's a lot of people that, that kind of lean that way. Like I just we make joke. I just moved down to Portland. It's already a mess. You know, move down to San Francisco. Get them out of state. We'd be better off. And, and yet, when you think through a different lens, maybe maybe a healthier lens, I would hope they're people. Some have addictions. Some are mentally ill, and sometimes it's because of those addictions. Some have had hard circumstances thrust upon them. The burden is overwhelming. But the truth is this: their fathers, their mothers, they're someone's children and they deserve the same grace that we've received from our Savior when we were lost in our own messes. And maybe it wasn't homelessness, but maybe it's another form. And so what we believe determines how we behave. Now, oftentimes, when you think of homeless, it's it's more of a case-by-case situation. There are people that don't want help. There's some people that just, that's what they're gonna do, and they're gonna kind of create the the messes. And, And in a lot of ways, not a lot we can do there, but for those that would want help, dear God, would we be willing to extend some level of grace that could help them navigate a life that has a certain purpose to it. Let me just take another one, different example totally, but ourselves. Think of you and, and how you navigate life. And if you and I believe that we're just here by accident, we're, we're always struggling, life doesn't seem to have a purpose, we, we, you know, when you think of like Murphy's Law, how many of you guys have heard of that? You know, if it can go, anything can go wrong, it will. And, and all of a sudden, there's something that happens in our lives and we get sideways about it and we allow that emotion to spill over the rest of our lives. Everything's terrible. We're never worthy enough. God is trying to punish me or doesn't love me or whatever that is. And if we buy into that belief system, our lives will play out probably a lot more dismal than if we believed that while you and I face hard things, There are times where our emotions will be overwhelmed. There is a God who loves us enough to walk with us through every avenue of the journey, celebrations and high times, as well as bad and low times. And yet through the challenging times, he's molding us, he's shaping us, he's challenging our faith and deepening our journey with him. Two different ways of looking at the circumstances, two different ways of navigating because what we believe determines how we behave. And so it's a a bigger deal than we might ever give credence. What what is the story you tell yourself about where you came from and why you're here? If you think about this picture, Ralph Waldo Emerson said it this way, and I've said it before, so a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a lifestyle. So a lifestyle, reap a destiny. It all does start with what we think. It's why I've mentioned the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 10.5. We take every thought captive. That we have all kinds of thoughts throughout our day, right? And and, and here's the thing. If you read Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, if you read Philippians, the theme of the letter is having joy. By the way, Paul writes that from prison. And you go, well, how can you have joy when he's stuck in prison? Because he knows something that the jailers don't understand. He knows something that those that are persecuting him don't comprehend. It's that when we have God with us, no matter the circumstance, there can still be a deep-seated joy. God is always on the throne. God is always with me. God is working even when I don't see, feel, hear, or understand anything he's doing. I'm going to lean in and I'm going to trust because God is still good even if my circumstances aren't. See, it's believing that. Here's the thing. Let me ask you this. How many of you would say you spend a majority of your waking hours concerned, worried, full of anxiety, overwhelmed with certain circumstances, thinking about how you're going to deal with that challenge or that problem or that relationship that's sideways or whatever else, and you don't spend a majority of your time considering the positive things that bring joy into your life? See, that's why it's important to realize it starts with what you think. It does. This isn't just self-help. This is you and I needing to hone in what our Christian faith is about. The fact that it's a daily journey of transformation, it's why, going back to what I said, it's engaging the work of the Holy Spirit to bring about transformation in our lives. And it starts on a personal level, but it impacts how you act if you're married within your marriage. It acts if you're a parent, how you parent. It impacts how you treat people when you go to work, even if you don't like the people you work with. And there's a sermon for some people in this room. It impacts how you treat your neighbors that live next door or in the apartment above you when they're too loud or too whatever, and you want to be angry and and, and frustrated all the time. It impacts how you treat your family when we all have the crazy uncle. And if you're like, I don't know who that is, it's probably you, okay? So anyway... So, so if you ever wonder why you do what you do, it's because of at the core, there are certain things you believe it's personal, but it also works as a church. And I want to bring this up today as we get into a series, connect the dots, why we do what we do, because there are a bunch of people that are relatively new to the Grove. And, I want to talk about kind of the vision and the things that we believe that God has put in us because it matters. And as a church, let me just start you on the basics of this journey. We believe wholeheartedly in the gospel. Now, for some of you, you're like, yep, I know what that is and I get it. But let me explain to you, gospel means good news. And the good news is, it centers around that that we believe God loves every one of us enough that he became Emmanuel, God with us in the form of Jesus, and he paid the price on a cross to deal with the issue of your sin and my sin, because it's our sin that separates us from a loving and yet holy God. Sin in our lives brings that separation. God does not want it to remain that way, so Jesus goes to the cross to pay the price for all of our sin. He's buried. On the third day, he rises again, which five weeks away is Easter, we're going to celebrate. We have a big party because it's a big deal for us as followers of Christ. We believe that the gospel message is what's meant to be invited into our world that we can find forgiveness, that we can find grace, that we can find hope, that we can find life, that we can walk out how God designed us to live in him. That's the gospel message, Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and me. The other part of it, though, is that we not only receive it, but we give it. So everybody, and if you're online, you can repeat it in your living room, but everybody in there, just say, I receive it. it. Come on, everybody jump in. I receive it. receive it." it. Therefore, I give it. It's not meant for you to go. This is great. It feels good. I have purpose. I love walking this out. It's meant for you to go. I love that I received it. But how do I help others around me understand it? Because it's that big of a deal. That's exactly what Jesus did for his disciples at the end of the gospels. And in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has already paid the price on the cross. He's already been buried. He rises from the dead. He appears to the disciples multiple different times and a bunch of others, and they marvel that he's alive. But as the ministry that he has on earth is winding down, having risen from the dead and teaching them, he says this in Matthew 28:16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped. Time out, really brief. When it says they worshiped him, that's a big deal because as followers of Christ, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is not lower than God. Jesus is not other than God. Jesus is God. And there are groups that believe Jesus was a great prophet, but he's not God. Jesus is lower than God or, or Jesus is a great teacher, but he's not God. We believe he's God. And in scripture, the only one ever worthy of worship is God. They worship him. And it says this, some doubted, But Jesus came to them and said, this is verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Okay, I wanna explain what this means, but Jesus is saying, I've done the work that I've done because I care to sacrifice myself that every person could be reconciled to my heavenly father. And now that I've risen from the dead, I've been given authority. He's the Messiah, he's already proven it. And now with this authority, he's gonna say, do something about it. And this is what he's going to say. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. You're like, well, what does the first part have to do with the second part? Jesus is commissioning those that are under him, the disciples, to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them like we did last week for 40 people, party in heaven, okay, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And by the way, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. When Jesus says that whole pocket, we sort of say, that's the great commission. And it is. And it's awesome. But here's the deal. He wasn't just commissioning the first century disciples, or the first group of disciples we kind of call apostles. Peter and John and Matthew, all these guys. He was commissioning the church forever, reminding us that we're disciples that make disciples. That make disciples. That make, right? I can go 2,000 years of this. You want to just go around the room and we'll just... But, but that's the whole point. That for you and I, fast forward 2,000 years, you and I are today's disciples and we're commissioned by Jesus, empowered by Jesus to help make disciples wherever we go. That's why light matters so much. So Jesus says, hey, wait in Jerusalem, pray, and I'm gonna send my spirit upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He ascends into heaven. The disciples are like, wow, that's pretty amazing, which you can imagine that'd be pretty incredible. And then they go and they pray, and as they're praying, Uh, Weeks go by here and you get to what we call Pentecost. It's a feast of the old covenant, which is the first fruits harvest. They're celebrating God's faithfulness in the harvest. So uh, Jews from all over that speak different languages gather to celebrate or commemorate God's faithfulness for the first fruits harvest. That's called Pentecost. As they're celebrating it, it says that they were gathered together praying and it says a, a violent wind rushed through this room and there seemed to be what was tongues of fire resting on each of them, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The movement pours out from the room onto the streets, and the people that had gathered from all over that spoke different languages were like, what is going on here? We hear this group declaring God's praises in all kinds of languages, and then some guy's like, oh, they're just drunk, and that's not the case. So Peter stands up and goes, we're not drunk. It's too early for that. (laughs) The Bible can be funny. Anyway, okay. Um, This is too early for that. This is what God prophesied through Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Young men will prophesy. Old men will see visions. Young men will dream dreams. Even on my uh, servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And the Holy Spirit is poured out. and, And he says, this is because what we're talking about is Jesus and Jesus was killed and he was buried, but he rose from the dead and he is alive. That's Peter's basic sermon right there in Acts 2. And the crowd goes, well, what do we do? And Peter goes, everybody say, repent and be baptized. So a few weeks ago, I love that we get to celebrate 45 people giving their lives to faith in Christ. And then last week, 40 people going public saying, I'm getting baptized to go public about who Jesus is in my life. Repent and be baptized. Then Peter says, this is for you and your children and all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. The Bible's talking about you and me. So Peter says, this is the promise that God has given. Repent, be baptized, believe. And then it gives this kind of paragraph, that, that surmi- uh, give a summary of the church at this point. They gathered together. They challenged one another. They broke bread with glad and sincere hearts. They were generous towards each other and helped supply the needs for the, the movement of the church. And, and then you turn to chapter three. Chapter three is some logistics in church world. And uh, the, the uh, apostles, you know, putting leadership together. And then you get to chapter four and Peter and John, as you three, to, th- chapter three to four, Peter and John are, are heading to the temple at the time of prayer. And this guy's like, hey, alms for the poor. And Peter and John are like, we don't got any money, but we could have you healed. Get up. And he gets up and they're like, wow, he's healed. And then the crowd is like, what in the world just happened? This guy's never walked before. And now he's walking. And and the religious leadership find out about this and they have Peter and John brought in and they're like, what have you done? They're like, the guy's healed. How did you do it? Jesus? Oh, you mean he's not dead? No, he's not dead. You need to give your lives to him. You crucified him. God raised him from the dead. It's all good. Just surrender. And they're like, we don't believe that. Where did you get this wisdom? Where did you learn this stuff? You must have been with Jesus. Peter's like, bingo. He didn't say bingo, but general idea. And they're so frustrated and jealous about it that they have Peter and John flogged. And do you know how Peter and John respond? They're not like, ow, woe is me. They're like, that was awesome. Christians are weird. <laughs> they, they literally, they, they, were, they were blessed because they counted themselves worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Talk about perspective. Well, they literally go, we, we can't help but speak about this. We can't help it. And they continue to preach. They're arrested again. They keep preaching. And then there's some persecution. The Christians kind of spread out a little bit. And then you have Philip who preaches a couple of different sermons as you continue in Acts. Stephen stands up, preaches a sermon, one of the really long ones in the book of Acts. And at one point, at the end, he makes the crowd so mad, they throw stones at him and kill him. And at the end, as he's dying, he's like, I see the the son sitting on the right hand of the father. There he is. And the crowd's upset and they kill him. And then chapter eight, verse one says this, and Saul was there approving of his death. Anybody know who Saul was? Not King Saul, different king, different person. Saul is Paul, but at that point he was Saul. Okay, as Saul, he's approving of the death of Stephen. And then in his righteous anger, he gets letters commissioned to travel to different areas and have Christians arrested and tortured. And again, approving of their martyrdom, their death. And as he's traveling from place to place and, and word is spreading about this guy, Saul, and stay away from him, and, and if he comes near, just run because he's gonna have you arrested or killed or who knows what, just run away. And he's on, he's on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine. Some of you know this story. He's getting ready to go persecute some more Christians and there's a light that's shown from heaven and the whole group of people fall to the ground that Paul is with, that Saul or Paul is with, and he hears a voice from heaven saying, you know, stop persecuting me. And Paul's like, well, who are you? And he goes, I'm Jesus, knock it off, Okay my version anyway. But, but so, so uh, Paul has this encounter and, and it says he's blinded. And the, the, the group is kind of freaking out about what happens. And Paul is blind. And at the same time that's happening, a guy named Ananias is in prayer and the Lord shows up to him, not too far away in the village. And the Lord says to him, I want you to, to pray for this guy, Saul, and he's going to be healed. And, and, and Ananias is like, no, 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 I'm not going there because he's going to have me arrested. And, and God's like, go. And he's like, okay, I'll go. So he goes and, and, and says, brother Saul, receive your sight. The Lord showed up to you. And, and Saul becomes a believer. And the rest of Acts is Peter and John and, and the, the apostles preaching. And then it moves to Paul preaching. And he goes on three different missionary journeys. And they plant churches. And, and Evan did a couple of weeks ago a great job talking about the epistles, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all that stuff. Paul writing letters to churches he cared about. Peter Writing some letters, 1st, 2nd, Peter, John writing, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, James writing to the churches, writing because they care deeply for the, the new covenant church. Now, uh, at the very end of Acts, Paul has been arrested many times and flogged, beaten, all this stuff goes on, and he keeps spreading the gospel. And, and, and as he spreads the gospel and he's arrested, at one point, he's a Roman citizen and he appeals to Caesar. Okay, I know that's not a big deal for you, and I'm not going to explain all the details of it. But it basically means that they have to move him to Rome to go to Caesar to appeal his case for why he doesn't believe, doesn't belong in jail because Jesus is the Messiah, and that's his point. Is I want to I want to preach to, to Caesar, I want to preach to the, to the big man on campus, you know. So um, over a bunch of chapters, he's on his way to Rome, and they're shipwrecked. And things happen. He keeps encouraging the church, and actually seeing churches planted. Even and he gets to Rome, and he's waiting to appeal to Caesar. And Acts 28 is the last chapter in the Bible that we have of what happens. And at the very end of that chapter, it's, it's Paul continuing to preach the message, continuing to preach the message. And he's preaching to Jews and the Jews get really upset. And that's where in Acts chapter 28, it says, therefore, I want you to know, this is Paul saying this to the Jews who don't accept the message of Christ. God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they're going to listen. After he said this, the Jews left arguing vigorously among themselves for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The end. I mean, that's the end. That, that's that's like there, there's what we have in scriptures about where the church went and what happened. But here's the beauty of it. it. It's written that way, I honestly believe, because we know today that wasn't the end. That was Acts 28, the last chapter we have in the Bible. But there's Acts chapter 29. Or excuse me, Acts chapter, uh, yeah, 29, 39, 49, 69, 128, 100, 2,000 years later, Acts is still going because it centers around the message of the gospel that we receive it, therefore we give it. We, we, we appreciate it and the grace that it provides and we want others to know it desperately and that's what we're about. And so as a church at the Grove, we, we carve that out with some detail. And we say this, love God, connect with each other, serve all. When people ask, you're a church person, you're a Jesus person, what are you guys about at that church that people go to? Well, there's a God who loves you desperately, but what he wants is for you to respond to that love. It's inviting Jesus to be the savior of your life because you can't fix your own mess, but God loved you enough to take care of it. Surrender, love God back. And as you continue to mature with the love God portion, it's learning to read scripture. It's taking the step of getting baptized. It's learning what it means to have a prayer life and and, and have communion and conversation with, with, with God who cares and lives inside of us through his Holy Spirit. Love God, gathering in worship together and confessing. You have no rival, God, you have no equal. Worship, confession, as the Holy Spirit brings something to you, you're worshiping and the Lord's like, man, yesterday wasn't good, you missed the mark. God, forgive me for that. Or last week, or last year, whatever it was, confession, prayer. It's inviting the Holy Spirit to work, love God, and then connect. Love, connect, serve, connect with each other. Th- th- that's why a month ago we had a, a, an environment called Grove Women, a time for gals to gather, be sharp and encouraged, laugh together, and this room was packed to the ceiling. That's why, a couple weeks from now, we have Grove men. Same idea. Let's gather, let's be sharp, let's be encouraged together as guys. It's why we do life groups, environments where you, you meet, you know, kind of trimesters throughout the year, seven, eight weeks at a time and, and gather at certain places all over the community in, in groups of, of eight or 10 or 15 or whatever it is. And, and you walk through some scripture and some conversations and, and you're sharpened together. Get connected. You could show up and go home and show up on a Sunday and go home and show up on a Sunday and go home. But that's not the epitome of what God wants. He wants us to be connected, that we're family together. And we want you to build those bridges, connect with each other, and then serve all. And if you've been here for a while, you already know this, but for some of you that are new, we value in a huge way the partnerships and the bridges we've built into our community, that we have great relationship with the city of Marysville, with the school district, with Parks and Rec, with the Tulalip tribes, with St. Joseph's house, with the Salvation Army, with with, uh, the Marysville Community Food Bank, with the Everett Gospel Mission, with other churches that we're in this together talking about, hey, how do we help support the cold weather shelter up at Bethlehem Lutheran? How do we do this together? Helping people, serving all. It's why iHeart happens. How many of you guys have been a part of iHeart? That every summer we take on serve projects for four to five days in mid-July going, what does it look like to, to improve our community through acts of service? Serve all, and this is who we are. We talk about a series called Connect the Dots. I want you to understand what we believe and how it impacts how we behave, why we as a church do what we do. So as we continue through this series, we're going to talk about scripture and we're going to talk about our code and you're going to hear different things. And you've already heard some of these phrases. Like we, next week, we're going to talk about, we will admit we don't know everything. We will take risks. Pray hard, try new things, and learn as we go. And next week we'll talk about that. We're gonna talk about we will lead the way with irrational generosity. We're gonna talk about this idea that we're we're passionate. We will honor God with all-in-risk-taking faith. We'll talk about being serious about the saving work of Jesus Christ. We know the methods will change, but the message never will. And while that's the serious one, we also talk about we will laugh hard, loud, and often, nothing is more fun than serving God with people you love. And we have a great time. My youth pastor used to always say, we should not look like we're dipped in pickle juice. Right, like this sour, like, you know, anyway. um, We talk about we're real people challenging real people. We're easy to be around. My hope is that there is not a person in this organization from volunteers and newcomers to people that have been in this or stand up on this stage that feel like we're above anybody else. We're not. We're in the trenches of life together trying to figure it out. I am just like you are. But we're real people walking this journey together. That we will do anything short of sin to reach people that don't know Christ. It goes back to, we're gonna try all kinds of things. You've heard this one a lot. We give up things we love for things we love even more. The church does not exist for us. Listen carefully. We are the church and we exist for the world. It's not about us. It's not about your preference and my preference. It's what does it look like to get the light out in our world? To be the church, not just gather, this is great scattered to wherever we go the next 6 days of our lives before we gather again to shine that light it's not about us we'll have Christ centered character we believe integrity is everything without it nothing else matters and you could you could go over a litany of scandals in church world because there was great gifts but a lack in character and as a team and as key leaders And and, and as people that are part of this movement, what does it look like for you and I to have high character? To live above reproach, not because we're perfect, not because we look down our nose at others that don't seem to get it and we're better than them, not at all. But our character is a big deal because if it's not, it just causes one more church scandal and we don't need any more of those. But God help us to walk out character, walk out integrity. I wanna talk about these. Now, the reason I bring it up and I'm I'm gonna wrap this up here in a second What I'm about to say, I can only ask this, that you hear it from a place of humility. That's my hope, because uh, it's gonna sound a little weird. When we talk about this, when we cast vision, connect the dots, why we do what we do, and we talk about the mission and love, connect, serve, and and, and the code, and you're gonna hear about it through the next bunch of weeks. If you hear what we're talking about and it doesn't resonate, that's okay. If you feel like that's good, it sounds good, but that's just not my thing, This is what I'm about to say that sounds weird. If that's not your jam, there are other great churches out there and we would love to help you find a great church. Honestly, we would, but this is the mission God is calling us to. This is what we do. And we get into the details of it. we say this, it takes all of us for we to win. How many is all? Right? How do you, what do you mean? It's a pretty simple question. How many is all? Everyone. We want to challenge all to be on mission together because if it's only a few of us, it's not going to work. We're stewards of the great commission in the time that we have, and we take it seriously. And Jesus said it in red letters. I've given you authority by the work of my spirit, now go. And our response is, okay, God. When God says jump, what's our response? How high? And that's what we're called to do. And I say this again because yes, we, we celebrate 90 years last fall, and we talk about the next 10 and cast image, mission, but I wanna be real specific. And my hope is the conversations that we have compel you out of just showing up on a Sunday and going home. That's fine for a season. You're testing the waters, you're checking things out. Totally get it. But there's a, there's a point where I believe the Holy Spirit will say, now go get connected in a group and, and, and build some bridges with people that can disciple together. And God will say, you've been gifted and wired a certain way. You need to serve in a certain capacity, be part of this iHeart or here at host teams and whatever, worship stuff, all of it. That God is gonna challenge you and I, all of us. What does it mean to carve out a sum of what we make and, and be generous together? Because, and I've said it this way before, the work of God has always been provided for by the people of God. That we're all part of this journey of generosity. The Holy Spirit does that in us. It's the natural outflow of all he's already done for us. That when we talk about all of these things, the challenge is, does it looking like for all of us to take steps? I love celebrating 40 people that took a very specific step last week. I love talking to people in the lobby earlier after these messages that say, hey, what is it looking like for me to take a step? Let me say this in general. If you go to our website, there's different steps you can take. And we've put some of those out there and you can sign up to how to get connected in a group or how to learn to serve and find your team is what we call it and stuff like that. Your shape and how you're wired to be involved in ministry or giving or the legacy, all this stuff. there's There's ways to take steps. Yes, it's up to you but we try to make it as easy and obvious and strategic as possible because I really am passionate. It takes all of us for we to win. Father, today, as we wrap up this conversation, and, and my prayer through your Holy Spirit is that we all invite you to convict and challenge and move us along on this journey. And, and Lord, it looks different and we're each in kind of unique places, but my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would do an incredible work for every single person at home and here. God, whatever you, you, you're compelling your work is doing, I pray for surrender, I pray for obedience, and I thank you that God, we get to be stewards of what you said go make disciples, help us each to understand to a greater degree, especially through this series, what that can look like through each of our lives, through each of our families, through our church together. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.